Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. The war in Israel continues. Here is your TK20. The vote for speaker is happening today, and in any other world, this would be the top story around the globe. Tony Katz, good to be with you. But in the backdrop of Hamas's attack on Israel and the beheading of children, lighting children on fire and burning them alive, murdering 260 people at a music festival, a thousand Israelis dead. Very, very comparable conversations to a Pearl Harbor or 9-11. It changes everything. It might change the speed of the vote. And it might be changing the complexion uh, or, or rather the responsiveness of Congress and what it is they value. It might be fracturing parties. Logan Raddick joins us right now. He is the national correspondent. For Newsmax, Newsmax uh, TV, uh, and uh, Logan, you, you're you're following, of course, uh, the speaker vote. You're following, of course, what's going on in Israel and congressional response. Uh, your take on whether the uh, attack from Hamas in Israel has changed how quickly the speaker vote is going to go. Well, Tony, good morning. I, I think that it definitely will have an impact on it, but it's not just because one of uh, the U.S.'s top allies was brutally attacked by this terrorist group. There are a couple of factors at play that make this a little bit different from other terrorist attacks you've seen in Israel. I mean, number one, at least 14 dead Americans. You have countless Americans being held hostage right now. I talked to some high-ranking members of Congress. They don't know how many hostages we currently have. There are also 17 countries at least that have had people kidnapped or killed. Um, so there is going to be a somewhat of a response from the free world. We'll see it at some point. Uh, but Congress is definitely racing to have a new speaker because of the situation. It's really come down to Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan. Uh, they had the meet the candidate forum last night. We're expecting the vote on the speaker today. So um, I, I think that they were going to try to make this a quick process regardless, because even before this attack in Israel, you see what's going on with the border uh, and you see what is really just happening all over the country with so many key issues. So I think they're going to come to a, a speaker decision by the end of the week. And from what I'm hearing, it seems like Jim Jordan might have a bit of the upper hand over Steve Scalise. Now, you just said end of the week. It was Representative Kat Kamek of Florida who said in, in, in any other situation outside of the attack on Israel, uh, it would take 30 days to figure out who the speaker is. You are, are getting the sense from the House, uh, from your sources, that even with just two candidates, this might take multiple votes? It could take multiple votes, and it really depends on how many people do not want to support one candidate or the other. Uh, there are some people who were talking about having McCarthy put his hat back in the ring. Obviously, McCarthy has said he does not want to run for speaker again. 
they might be more inclined for Steve Scalise. Uh, but you have people like Ralph Norman uh, from South Carolina. He likes both of the candidates, Scalise and Jordan. He's worried about Steve Scalise's health at the moment. Steve Scalise is currently battling blood cancer. So that is another factor that is currently at play here. Obviously, President Trump has endorsed Jim Jordan. Uh, so, again, I believe Jim Jordan has the upper hand. But if Steve Scalise is to be the guy who is uh, put up by the Republicans to be the speaker and become speaker, uh, Dan Muser, he's a Republican from Pennsylvania, he's talked about having Jim Jordan take Scalise's role as majority leader. So, again, uh, no matter what happens with this, Scalise and Jordan are going to be the top two Republicans in Congress. Um, But again, it does look like Jordan has the upper hand for a number of reasons. The Trump endorsement being one, and then the fact that Scalise is battling cancer. There are people who do support Scalise, but they're worried about his health and handling that really, really difficult role as Speaker of the House. Talking to Logan Raddick of Newsmax. You can follow him uh, on uh, social media, on the Twitter X at Logan underscore Raddick, R-A-T-I-C-K. Let's bring in the Matt Gates conversation. Of course, it was the Gang of Eight uh, that worked with Democrats to remove uh, then-Speaker McCarthy. Some rumors that McCarthy saying, look, if I, can, if I can help the party, I'd be Speaker again. Where is Gates, Mace, and company on the Scalise versus Jordan battle? Well, it looks like that group is leaning more towards Jim Jordan. But what Matt Gates has said in particular, again, he's the one who triggered the motion to vacate for Speaker McCarthy. He said that he will support Scalise or Jordan. But the thing that Gates says he wants is single subject spending bills. So instead of putting a lot of things into an omnibus and voting on it and not really knowing what you're voting on, Gates says he wants single subject spending bills so that members um, are taking up one vote at a time and really having an opportunity to see what they're voting for. Again, um, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. But it, it looks like Gates is open to either uh, Scalise or Jordan as speaker. Um, so I don't think we're going to see the type of uh, animosity that McCarthy had. I think a lot of people just never wanted McCarthy to begin with. Uh, and Jordan and Scalise, um, I think this will go quickly. It might take a couple of votes. Um, but there's not going to be people stomping their feet like they did with McCarthy. The situation in Israel, the Hamas attack, the terrorist organization, a thousand people dead. You heard the strong statements from Joe Biden yesterday. You heard the strong statement from uh, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, that people who are trying to equivocate or, or, or blame Israel are wrong. It's, it's disgusting. And then you have Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. And you have uh, the video uh, on your uh, Twitter X feed of her running away from questioning from a Fox News reporter uh, regarding beheaded babies and babies burned alive. Uh, You have Congresswoman uh, uh, Ilhan Omar uh, saying that Israel is guilty of war crimes for responding. You have Representative Ocasio-Cortez saying uh, that there is this apartheid system in in Israel. Congressman Andre Carson uh, in my beloved Indianapolis who will not condemn Hamas. There seems to be a very, very big chasm in the Democratic Party between those who want to state clearly uh, that Hamas is a terrorist organization and those who will not engage in any kind of blame of Hamas whatsoever and only push the anti-Israel screeds. How does the party square the circle on this? 
Well, the party has to start addressing uh, the rot that has come from within when it comes to a member like Rashida Tlaib not being able to even just condemn the, the, the decapitation of babies, the rape of innocent women, the slaughter of teenagers at a music festival, not just Israelis, but people from all over the world. And you've seen a lot of Democrats, I mean, Massachusetts in particular, multiple congressional Democrats condemning these student groups at Harvard that essentially went pro-jihad over the last couple of days. But these Democratic members of Congress have not spoke out as forcefully against Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, who thinks peace can be made with Hamas. I mean, until there's a different, until there's a leader who wants peace, there's not going to be peace between these two sides. Anyone who's been following this for over 70 years understands that. But you have not seen forceful condemnation of those members from Hakeem Jeffries. You haven't really heard it from Chuck Schumer. And I think a lot of these Democrats are starting to wake up to how radical the so-called progressive movement has become. But the thing is, like you saw at the White House yesterday, Corrine Jean-Pierre called them out, but she couldn't call them out by name. So that's the issue the Democratic Party is dealing with. Um, Republicans in the past, Steve King, I mean, if, if he made an anti-Semitic comment, they condemned him. You know, they, they would vote to remove him from committees. But the Democratic Party has nothing to say about the members that are taking the side of Hamas. As, as a matter of just looking at the crystal ball, well, I still got a minute with you, Logan Raddick of Newsmax. Is there a conversation going on on the Hill about how this divide might affect Joe Biden in this 2024 presidential run? Well, it's a complicated situation because a lot of these Democrats are saying he made a great statement yesterday saying he was in support of Israel. And, yeah, there's a lot of great comments that the president made. Uh, But the problem that the Democrats have right now is that their voters are waking up to the fact that the Obama administration and the Biden administration have either given or unfrozen billions of dollars to the Iranian regime, which funds and trains these Hamas terrorists. And the problem that the Democratic Party is going to be dealing with, and there's a lot of liberals who are waking up, especially a lot of liberal Jews I've seen that are appalled and realize that this is support from the party that they're voting for. Um, Until they address the elephant in the room that Iran is pulling the strings here and that U.S. um, unfreezing of assets for Iran has has helped them fund terrorism all over the world, uh, that's going to be an issue for the Democrats. And, you know, you've heard – some Democratic sources here in Washington, D.C. saying, oh, you know, the foreign policy issues like Afghanistan, what we're seeing now, that'll pale in comparison in 2024 when people go to the ballot box to issues like abortion. And from what we've been seeing online the last few days, that might not be the case. So I think that the Democratic Party is going to have to square up what is going on with Iran. You can't say you stand with Israel when you're giving aid and comfort to the biggest enemies of Israel. And you also have the situation with Qatar. Um, I haven't heard any Republicans or Democrats kind of, you know, come up with an answer for how to handle that situation because the U.S. is not really in a position to condemn Qatar because we have an Air Force base there. Yet Qatar 
is harboring the leaders of Hamas. So there's a lot of complications. And again, if the Democratic Party doesn't really address what's going on, they're going to be losing potentially voters who are absolutely appalled by the situation. And I'll add again, 14 dead Americans at least, more American hostages. This isn't necessarily about Israel. This is, there are so many people from all over the world who have been butchered or being held hostage by Hamas. And it's something that we have not seen. I mean, this is, this is a modern day Iranian hostage crisis and it's being perpetrated by an Iranian proxy. Logan Raddick of Newsmax, I appreciate you taking the time. Tom Rose is known well to WIBC. You heard him many times in years past filling in for Greg Garrison, guest of Greg Garrison, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post, and is currently in Israel as things have unfolded. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tom Rose joins us right now. First things first, Tom, where exactly are you in Israel in relation to Gaza? Well, I'm about, good morning, Tony. Uh, Nice to hear your voice. I'm just north of Tel Aviv in a town called Herzliya, which is a, a suburb just north of Tel Aviv. So I'm about, I don't know, 40 miles from Gaza. It's a tiny country. So uh, all the aerial activity, uh, you know, unfortunately, we get a bird's eye view of. Uh, so you're talking about the rockets that are being fired uh, from Hamas. You're talking about Iron Dome. Um, it, it, people would consider it away from the quote unquote action. But as you discuss, it is a it is a small country. You're the, you're there right on uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. Give me an idea of the last seven days that you've experienced. Well, it's uh, it's been, you know, to sound Dickensian, it's been uh, uh, the worst of times and the the best of times. We all know the horror stories which uh, continue to come out that each one uh, surpasses the next in brutality and savagery. There was a case this morning of a funeral that had to be postponed because a grenade was found inside the body of the deceased as if to cause, you know, another terror attack at this poor man's funeral. Uh, The barbarism, the savagery um, is simply beyond description, but compare. I'm not aware of any circumstance. I think it's an historic first uh, for a mass, you know, several thousand people simultaneous terror attack, the purpose of which was not simply to murder, but to terrorize. Um, It succeeded on that front. But the best of times in terms of how the country, which, uh, Tony, as you know quite well, is (laughs) otherwise very fractious, uh, 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 very uh, uh, divided and vocal on on all issues, has united to a point of singularity, uh, unlike anything the country has seen since its founding in 1948. Talking to Tom Rose, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post in Israel, just north of Tel Aviv. Uh, this coming together, I know they're creating the unity government, which happens in times of war, which is more of a political posturing. So one party in a multi-party uh, country like Israel isn't blaming another party for this, that, or the other. But does the coming together mean that 
Israel has now decided, okay, uh, this 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 Hamas conversation is over. They have to go, and if that means devastation in Gaza, that's okay by us? Oh, I think, I can't speak for the government, obviously, the new government, which was uh, just sworn, uh, sworn in yesterday, just took office uh, today, this morning, last night. As far as the country is concerned, you're absolutely right. That conversation is over. If anything, the pressure is mounting um, for this action, for this activity. The government keeps asking for time and understanding that these things take planning and logistical coordination, that kind of thing. But patience, if there was a need to begin with, is gone now. And the time for uh, concern about uh, the humanitarian conditions of the other side uh, are now secondary, if not tertiary. This is a this is as existential as it gets. It's been demonstrated in the past seven days. It is kill or be killed, and the purpose of the state of Israel is to ensure uh, that it's our enemy that is uh, devastated, not us. That's the purpose of a sovereign, strong, proud Jewish state: is that it will defend its own, uh, come hell or high water. And that and that is the uh, that's the consensus, wall to wall, unanimous. A sentiment here now. I want to follow up on that, if I could, Tom, because we've been hearing the use of the word existential uh, often uh, over the past seven days. Uh, this the the word has got mentioned everywhere. We're talking about the very concept of existence, and I think people still, whether it be in the United States or in other places, don't quite grasp that Israelis would view this attack that has cost the lives of upwards of, of twelve hundred people is a conversation about existence. If you could expand on on how Israelis see that concept. Well, we now know, as if we didn't know before, that this is not a battle over land. It's not a battle over political rights. It's not a war over territory or legitimacy. Uh, uh, we are confronting an enemy that has this uh, uh, messianic vision of redemption through martyrdom. This is a this is a hardcore Islamist belief that has gained tremendous strength in the past fifty or sixty years inside the Muslim world. That uh, the ultimate purpose of life is to seek death through martyrdom. That's the religious belief. That's the core of these fanatics who hold sway in too much of the Arab and Muslim world. And in Gaza, you have, in Hamas, which rules the territory, and in the Palestine Islamic Jihad, a, 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 a subgroup of, of Hamas that claims it acts independently. These are, these are um, um, you, you talk about Christian end times, the view of the end of the world. Well, this is the, this is the polar opposite of that. This is uh, uh, a death cult that seeks to destroy the Jewish people, to murder every single Jew in this land, and ultimately to conquer the world. I mean, Jews are, it's been said, the world's minor canary. Um, We're usually the first to face crises like this, but we're never, ever, ever the last. Uh, Lands, I mean, enemies that that seek out Jews, uh, seek out Christians and all non-believers, and the murders were one thing. The desecrations, the dismemberments, the murdering of babies, 
the shooting up of nursing home patients in their beds. Uh, I mean, some of this stuff, Tony, is so sadistic, so beyond any ability to describe, let alone comprehend that, uh, you know, there's a, I'm personally torn because these descriptions are so horrific uh, that the natural instinct, Tony, is to shy away from them, not to want to talk about them, but we must talk about them. We must see these images. We must understand the danger and the threat that all of us face, whether we're sitting here in Tel Aviv or we're at home in India or we're driving to work. Um, Let uh, let me... Let me jump in for a moment. Talking to Tom Rose, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post, a longtime uh, guest and guest host on WIBC. Uh, We know that 360,000 reservists have uh, reported. We know that doctors and nurses have come in from around the globe to to give aid. We know that the word was given that there should be an evacuation of northern Gaza over the next 24 hours. Um, We know that there has been waiting for a ground offensive. Is there word on whether that ground offensive will come today? And is there word on what you, just being north of Tel Aviv, 40 miles from Gaza, or others in Israel are expecting if that ground offensive should start today, which would be interesting starting on Shabbat? Well, I think um, the uh, Shabbat uh, angle is an interesting one. I think, in, in, I don't think, in, in times of war, uh, all the laws related to observance of the Jewish Sabbath are, are set aside. Uh, there's a concept in Judaism called protecting life. The Hebrew term is pikuach nefesh, which takes precedence over uh, um, Jewish law uh, in everything, with the exception of, of uh, murder or uh, violating, you know, marital vows, stuff like that. So that that is not an issue. Um, whether, when, and how this thing is undergoing and uh, when it begins, um, you would know as much, perhaps even more than, than I do. There is uh, an imposed military censorship here that impacts local media. But what local media does then is simply repeats what, what foreign media says. So, there might be a disconnect between what we here on the ground understand and know. Um, the country is absolutely on a, a, a war footing. I've been here on and off for 35 years. Um, been here during the war, uh, the first Gulf War, uh, one of the, uh, the Hamas wars, and then the, the terrible intifada before and after 9-11. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. This is, this is a, a, a complete war footing. And from a domestic perspective, Tony, I realize there are military exigencies, but um, the longer this goes on, the more damage it does to the country. And the country is literally closed. I'm looking out. I'm in a a high-rise building. I'm looking out, and the streets are deserted, and all the stores are closed, and the economic costs mount by the day. But there is uh, a solidarity, the likes of which I've never seen uh, before, and it's the most inspiring the most uh, ennobling thing one can imagine in the face of such horror. Tom Rose, former publisher of the Jerusalem Post, uh, longtime guest and guest host here at WIBC. Uh, I, I'm thrilled that you called in. Uh, I'm glad you reached out. Uh, stay safe. Stay well. Keep us posted. I'd love to have you back. And uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, uh, including on the streets of Tel Aviv. 
Well, you're a good man, Tony Katz. Thank you very much. God bless, and God bless everybody back home in Indy. You got it. Tom Rose, can't thank you enough. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. I hope you enjoyed this week's TK20. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. I'm producer Jonathan, and we'll be back again next week with another episode. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.